Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast, NFL Week 3, almost in the books. We got Philadelphia, we got Dallas. Great way to top off Week 3 in the NFL. Uh, hard to believe we're almost in October. Like, I mean, Week 4 will be here, and it'll be uh, October 3rd. Holy smokes. Um, I love the National Football League. This was another great week with a lot of good takeaways from the games, for the teams, for the head coaches, for the quarterbacks, for everything. We're going to dive into it all. I want to start with the Kansas City Chiefs. They are not going to be a dynasty. I thought this a couple years ago. I was on Kansas City Radio, had uh, the great Sterling Holmes ask me, hey, Chiefs got a great quarterback, head coach, GM. I think they're on track here to have the building blocks of a dynasty. What do you think? I said, yeah, definitely agree. Long way to go, though, with New England. And I'm going to tell you why it's not going to be happening there at Arrowhead. I'm also going to dive into the Sean McVay respect. A lot of people get you know, bugged by the fact that the media loves him for all his creativity and game calling. That is probably a, a tad bit overstated, but there's a lot of stuff that he doesn't get credit for. We'll dive into that. And then also we'll talk about the debacle out there in Cleveland. Matt Nagy, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I will go off, sound off, on exactly what I think there and what went wrong in Chicago. And then we'll hit on the 3-0 and teams. There are five of them. Kind of light for this point in the season after three weeks. I think there should be more. But we'll talk about the contenders and the pretenders at 3-0. and It's episode 55 of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. A lot of good things this NFL Sunday as far as takeaways from the games and a lot of things we're going to get to, but I have to begin in Kansas City where the Chiefs proved to us they are not going to be a dynasty. They won't. And there's internal reasons for this. There are external reasons for this. And that's where we're going to begin is the latter is let's just look on the other side of the field. Justin Herbert was going throw for throw with Kansas City. Four touchdowns yesterday at Arrowhead Stadium. Always one of the harder environments to play in. Seattle, the 12s, that used to be the hardest play to play. I know Kansas City also in decibels kind of like top them after one week. It's always been a hard place to play. It's even harder now since the Chiefs got Mahomes uh, because they're just 
that more potent as an offense. But what we learned yesterday is that Justin Herbert, 26 of 38, 281 yards, he can sling it with Mahomes. I'm not saying he's as good as Mahomes. He's not. But as far as where the Chargers are right now, they're going to be reckoned with every year going forward with Justin Herbert under center. And Staley, that guy can coach. That guy knows situations. Listening to him talk yesterday after the game, that guy's no dummy. He's not out there. One, he doesn't call plays, but he's not like some of these young head coaches who are merrily calling plays and trying to get as many points on the board and taking home some wins that way. This guy knows how to manage the game, and he was a defensive coordinator at a Division three school five years ago. Very, very impressive. But when you look around this division with the Chiefs, the Chargers can go throw for throw and, and match points on the scoreboard. The Raiders offensively are humming right now. They have a good tight end. They have a good slot receiver. They have a deep threat in rugs. And the offensive line, for all the turnover, protecting well. David Carr or uh, Derek Carr is answering what Gruden wants. And Gruden, you can laugh at his faces that he probably practices in the mirror. You can laugh at their defensive ineptitude. You can laugh at their drafting. He has stayed up to speed on the schemes of the game in 2021, despite being out of the game for 10 years. He's calling good offensive plays. He, he doesn't seem to miss a beat. I don't I don't take away with Gruden that, oh, the game has passed him by. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. If you want to talk about all facets, facets excuse me, of a head coach, definitely understand that. But offensively, he's right there. So there you have two teams in the division. And then you get to Denver in the AFC West, and they're great at every position defensively on that side of the ball. They got playmakers, premier players at every level, particularly deep at the defensive back position. And I'm not saying they're going to beat Kansas City, but they will give them fits. And that is the biggest takeaway yesterday, is that the AFC West, it's going to be a battle. And it's probably going to be a battle for a few years now. Both of the West divisions, AFC, NFC, both loaded. But, you know, Kansas City, they kind of had this, like, three-year high where they were kind of just waltzing to the AFC West title. Yeah, they lost some games along the way. A couple when uh, the season was already in hand. Lost to the Chargers last year in the final week of the season. It's not going to be like that moving forward. Why? Because the Chargers, Raiders, and Denver, all viable threats. They can beat the Chiefs. I'm not saying they will, but they have the potential to beat them. And the Chargers just did yesterday. And, you know, for all the things, all the highlight reel plays that Patrick Mahomes has given us, and I think he's a great player, you know, he looked bad yesterday. His mechanics, his ad lib, his footwork, it cost him yesterday. He threw an ugly interception. He he had a he had a miss uh, or he had an interception where he didn't look at the receiver he was intending to throw to. Yeah, that's all fine and well when you when you pass it to the right jersey. That didn't happen yesterday. And guess what? Sometimes it costs you. And to, yesterday it did. You know, I think he's as talented as ever. But at a quarterback position, who would you rather have? The guy who just can make freakish athletic plays or the guy who's going to be fundamentally sound each and every time. Patrick Mahomes can get there. He can. Right now, he's not playing disciplined football. And it cost his team yesterday. And right now, they are staring 
at one and two, last place in the AFC West. First time ever Patrick Mahomes has had a sub 500 record, and they got a lot to prove. I know he tweeted it out right after the game. I, it really wasn't big on that. Like, he's going to Twitter immediately after the game. Immediately. I got that pushed to my phone within 10 minutes. I know his coach didn't address the team, so maybe they didn't have a breakdown or, or whatever. But you're going to Twitter immediately after the game to, to send a message out? Like, come on, man. I like the guy. I think he's great. But, the, you know, it, it's that stuff. And then he's screaming at his teammates on the sideline, which I'm not concluding anything. Maybe it fired him up. But this is all stuff that you just haven't seen quite yet with Mahomes quarterbacking the Chiefs. I didn't see him screaming on, on the sidelines. Haven't gotten a tweet sent this quick after a game. There's some unraveling going on right now. And they can definitely patch it up. Most certainly. But right now, we are seeing the Chiefs in a state that we've never seen them before. And right now, I think it's a situation where they're going to be more like the Ravens and the Steelers of the last 13 years than the Patriots. The Patriots, guess what they've been able to do? Title, the division title, year after year after year with turnover inside now we're getting to the internal factors of why they will not be a dynasty they have all the same guys on their team all the same guys and right now they're playing bad football they haven't even got to where they they lose a travis kelsey because he starts to decline they haven't even lost a tyreek hill because his contract's going to expire and, and he goes off to to greener pastures they haven't even got to the point where they lose an offensive tackle because he also needs a big contract, or, or what have you. Like, once this turnover starts to roll in, it's going to be very interesting where the Chiefs are, especially when you factor in Herbert's viable, Derek Carr's probably going to get extended, and Raiders are humming now. They have an offensive identity, and Denver has great defensive players. This just leads me to believe, and again, the Chiefs are going to be threat. They are still top-tier team in the league, but they're not just going to waltz to the division title let alone the AFC Conference Championship game. They have threats in the division. It, they, this will likely be a team that we look back on and that they were in it year after year after year, but it's going to be more like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Bengals. Remember how they used to swap division titles for like 10 years between like 2010 and 2018? They were all making the playoffs, but they all switched off. Some teams were better than... The other teams. It wasn't just the Steelers running them off. It wasn't just the Ravens running them off. This is going to be a bloodbath. You got a guy that's going to stay in that division, Brandon Staley. Gruden, he's under contract for like, you know, eight more years or whatever. And they got something humming there. And with the Chiefs, you know, I, I, I tweeted it out at the time. That 30 seconds that was left on the clock for Patrick Mahomes, that two-minute drill was awful. That was awful. That's what I've yet to see out of Patrick Mahomes. I think he's outstanding, but when they get into the two-minute drill, he has not effectively manufactured a drive. Aaron Rodgers with 37 seconds, that was manufacturing a drive. What we saw on Sunday night is exactly what I wanted to see out of Patrick Mahomes. He didn't do it. The play calling was designed for just bombs away, bombs away material to get the, uh, get the Chiefs into a shot where he can throw the ball in the end zone. And, and it was just like aimless. I, I hated it. And the reason being is because they do not trust Patrick Mahomes to manufacture the drive. They don't believe that he's going to snap the ball, stand tall in the pocket, step up in the pocket, deliver it quickly down the middle of the field, and then 
run up and spike the ball and get to the next play. They don't believe he can do that. Rodgers did that. Brady did that. And maybe it'll come with time. But right now, that's something that he has not proven. And yes, he had 30 seconds to do it. That is six plays right there to get your team in the end zone. He's got a bomb of an arm. And and they just took a very aimless approach. Aimless approach. Bombs away. I hated it. Did not like it at all. The Kansas City Chiefs told us, and I thought this from the get-go, they're going to be more like the Steelers, Ravens, which, again, th- those are great franchises. They've been in it year after year after year. Tomlin never had a losing record. Harbaugh, he's playing with Flacco, he's playing with Lamar, he's getting to the playoffs. This is a great spot to be in. But they're more like those guys than the New England Patriots. They are not on track to be a dynasty. Okay, taking it out to Los Angeles, where the Rams are now 3-0, and and they put up a big W. I actually don't think it's actually as big of a win as like what Lindsey Jones of The Athletic is writing. I had that push in my phone today, and I, I just think like some of these writers out there, my God, it's just clear that they just don't study the game close enough. It's funny when you read some of these uh, beat people, these beat reporters or, or whoever covers the game, it's pretty clear how little football they actually watch, but that's neither here nor there. A big win for the Rams. They they got uh, were able to size themselves up against the Buccaneers. But my biggest takeaway from this, outside of Stafford and McVay just working uh, perfectly, is that McVay is getting way, way less credit for his game management and his teaching of his football program. A lot's been made of his imagination and creativity and ingenuity of his offense. That's all fine and well. I know a lot of people get sick of that, and you know maybe rightfully so. It doesn't really bother me. I, th- I think he really is everything that the media cracks him up to be. But what they omit is the fact that this guy is just a very, very good teacher of fundamentals. You look at these receivers. They are running wide-ass open. Jackson, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Deshaun Jackson, wide open down the middle of the field. Wide open. Cooper Cup, open. It's because they're good players, but it's also because of good scheme and good fundamental coaching. You look at these guys, they're they're just winning. They're beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneer cornerbacks who who aren't very good, but it's a well-coached defense. It's top bowls. I think it's pretty impressive. And the game calling, the right plays at the right time, it's just like, wow, this play seems to work perfect against this. Must be the play caller. Game management. Managing the clock. Managing. Uh, he's now, you, you see him, he's on the defensive side of the ball. He was uh, in his uh, defensive coordinator's ear during that game. And, and you can tell he's not sitting on the water bucket anymore. I remember the first year, that's what we saw, is Wade Phillips was just managing the game while he was talking to Jared Goff. It's no longer the case. The guy knows how to get a lead, protect the lead, and if he's losing... He also knows how to get back in it. It wasn't really on display this game, but in the first two weeks, I definitely think we've just seen Sean McVay and what he brings to the table in all facets. It's it's not just creativity. It's not just game design. It's game calling. It's game management. It's the teaching of his receivers. They've had so many receivers come in and out of there between Brandon Cooks and um, Sammy Watkins, and then they got rid of... Um, uh, Todd Gurley, who's also a pass catcher. I know he played running back. But but they're churning guys in and out. Uh, Tyler Higby's another one at the tight end position. And they, he just has everybody ready to go. And now he's just got a you know a top-tier quarterback in Matthew Stafford in the 
you know, playbook, it's just wide open. It's wide open, and he can call anything that he wants. With Goff, it was just a skinny playbook. He did a great job preparing him in his first uh, few years uh, with the Rams with Goff, but the playbook was just limited. That's what happened against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They just knew how to cover all his plays, and he said, gosh, I'm just handcuffed. I don't know what else to do. Not with Stafford now. Everything is wide open. And the thing about these Rams is that they are definitely understanding their market. They are in a window right now with uh, SoFi Stadium. Everybody's coming out to see him play. A lot of everybody that I see so far in the two games at SoFi Stadium is Rams fans, and it's because LA coming off a pandemic, everybody was cooped up in their houses. They want to come out and do stuff, particularly see Kroenke's uh, Taj Mahal. And right now they're on borrowed time. Like soon, LA will you know find other things to do because things will be completely back to normal. And if they are not winning, they will be you know they'll, they'll be the second, third choice in town. You have beaches, you have entertainment. They understand we have to put a product out there right now. And definitely, this was a football move in getting Stafford. But they also understand top-heavy roster. Their depth is not good. We have a fickle LA market, and they're taking advantage of it. The, the Rams do not get enough credit as well on the executive side. They are maximizing their window. And they understand they have a top-heavy roster, yet everybody's healthy. Aaron Donald doesn't miss games. Jalen Ramsey doesn't miss games. Andrew Whitworth, he's like 40 years old, doesn't miss games. Their performance team, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So yes, the Rams beat the Buccaneers yesterday. They got to uh, see themselves and how they size up against the Super Bowl champs, and everybody kind of wants to compare that and, and how everything is going. I'm looking at the head coach. I'm looking at the executive. I'm looking at the sports performance staff. They all get a hat tip from me. The Rams are an absolute force in the NFC. So let's take it to Chicago, or to the Bears specifically, and the debut of Justin Fields in Cleveland. I was watching that game. I watched every snap of that football game. I was watching with Ms. Taylor, who's from Chicago and is a Bears fan, and she was also interested in seeing the debut of Soldier Fields, as they're calling him. And he threw for a singular yard, one yard, um, yeah, one passing yard, against the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, I, I'll i back up to the fact that I said I want Nagy to start Justin Fields. I said that a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, limited with Andy Dalton. I understand he takes care of the ball. I understand he gets rid of the ball quickly. Uh, and there's a bad offensive line. I thought they should have maximized their uh, opportunities to score the ball with Justin Fields. Um, it was after about, I think it was sometime in the second quarter, I think it was the third or fourth sack, on fields it went to a commercial break and I turned to Taylor and I said look for Nagy to do one of two things honey they will either max protect which and I explained to her you know there's five offensive linemen and a running back will sometimes stay in to pass protect to help out uh, a rush on defense if they're blitzing um, or if they're struggling to protect the quarterback like the Bears are uh, or they'll even keep in a tight end uh, max protection with seven men or the other thing that they will do and more likely to happen is move the pocket. So because the offensive line is so porous and the floodgates are just opening up for the defensive linemen of the Browns, what Nagy will do is call a play to purposely move Justin Fields off platform and make a throw uh, while running, while uh, moving on the run. 
So look for them to do that after this break. And the, the Bears got the ball. And I was watching the other game. I think it was Titans and the, the Colts at the time. And my my uh, you know eyes were not on the on the game when commercial break uh, ended. And all I hear is, honey, they're not doing it. And I just look over at the other TV. We had dual monitors going in the uh, in the living room. And I look over and just bearing down again on Justin Fields is three Browns. And it's just mind-boggling that they put Justin Fields out there and they don't even have plays designed for him. It, it was literally the Andy Dalton playbook. And, and I'm not an NFL head coach, but I can tell that these same plays are the ones that Andy Dalton was scripted as if you were preparing for the Browns. And I just don't understand how you can have all offseason after drafting him in April, all training camp, to incorporate plays for Justin Fields when clearly you want to play him. You have put him in the game since week one. And you want to play him, Nagy. You know he is the higher-end player. But yet you don't you know, call plays or, or incorporate plays for that player. You were in Kansas City when Andy Reid had Patrick Mahomes on the bench and they had the quarterback coach. I think his name is like Matt uh, Falafa or Kalafia. You can go to the Chiefs website and see him. He's still on the staff over there in Kansas City. But the guy was designated for Patrick Mahomes and helping him get up to speed on what Reid wanted him to run if he was in the game. And it was very similar to Alex Smith at the time. But my point here is that you were on that staff where you had the uh, future at quarterback on the bench and and you didn't even take a page out of the playbook that Reed had in in getting him ready and designating a guy for when he has to go in the game. And I understand it's week three, but you you didn't move the pocket. You didn't max protect. Jason Peters was on an island against Clowney and Garrett and they got sacked or they, they got the quarterback sacked nine times and you threw for a yard. It's just bad, bad coaching, horrible. I I don't understand how all offseason you have time to prepare for this game, and you know this game can come at one play, even on a freakish play like it did for Andy Dalton. How the hell do you not have plays incorporated for Justin Fields? I, I, I didn't even like that they started this way. That it was just dropping back with Fields. It was clearly one read and then hit it or or run for Justin Fields. He didn't have time to run because there was just pressure bearing down on him. And he had some bad throws as well. I mean, there were some open throws that he should have hit on, but he, I mean, he was just, you know, gun shy because he just feels like pressure is bearing down on him on every single play, which it virtually was, at least 95% of them. But Nagy certainly failed him here. Certainly failed him. I I, I am shocked at what I saw as far as his preparation to play the the guy in jersey number one, Justin Fields. That that was just an embarrassment. He came out today. He said everything's on the table as far as play calling duties, as far as who's playing quarterback in week four. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, everything that was said online, everything that's being said today about the Bears, the coach just confirmed to you. He, even he's at a loss right now because what we saw on Sunday was an absolute disaster by Chicago. Let's get to the 3 and O teams. There are 5 of them left. 5 3 and O teams, which is a little light through 3 weeks. Typically you get a little bit more than that. I, I want to say it's probably 
I'd have to run the stats, but it's probably sometimes like eight teams, like six to eight. Um, so maybe a little bit, but it kind of seems a little light. Seems like some other teams should get some W's at this point in time. But, you know, it's good for the league when you have good teams losing early. Um, creates drama, creates uncertainty, uh, and it also just creates parity in the league to where a lot of different teams are racking up some wins and maybe they got a shot at this extra wild card that's going to be instituted for the second year, uh, this time in a quote-unquote normal season with 2021 um, now uh, really kind of in full swing here. It's kind of hard to believe week four is, is already upon us and, and October will be this Friday. But, you know, let's start with the Raiders here, okay? I had this team as the odd man out in the AFC West and also the playoffs. I had Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, all make the playoffs and the Raiders I liked okay I've always liked Gruden offensively I thought they didn't have enough talent on defense but they're playing well enough on defense and I think particularly at home Vegas is pretty doggone tough and they're better than I thought offensively again legit tight end speed threat a slot guy in Renfro offensive line is playing well and Gruden knows how to call a game and they play well in tight games and Derek Carr He's placing the ball exactly where it needs to be. I think this is a team, when they play at home, they play really well. And they proved something big when they went to Pittsburgh and won on the road. But my thing with them is that we're now seeing that Big Ben is washed. Guys washed. And I don't feel an ounce of pity for Pittsburgh because they had years to figure this out. Just like the Giants had years to figure it out with Eli Manning, and they didn't. And I thought that was a big win. It was a big win at the time. But we're also finding out that Big Ben isn't that great of a player. Raiders still have a lot to prove on the road and later into the season. We've seen this story before. They start well early. Can they sustain it come November? Right now, I'm going to say they're pretenders. Also, Arizona Cardinals in the West, this time in the NFC. Here are the quarterbacks that they've played. Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, who they should have lost to. Field goal kicker for Vikings missed it. And Trevor Lawrence. So they're 3-0. They're pretenders, though. Look, offensively, I think they can stay in the game with anybody. But I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury to really manage uh, a game, let alone an entire season. He's never won anywhere he's gone. I, I know I keep harping on that and coming back to it, but it's just like he got fired from Texas Tech, and he, he wasn't really that good. I understand he knows how to create plays. There was a podcast that I was listening to this summer uh, with him and McVay, and he was talking about how he was reviewing some Sean McVay Rams tape, and he really liked this one play. And he said, he said that was a great play by Sean. I really liked what he did there. But that's just not what we do. And I thought to myself, how do you let those words, if you're a head coach, you know, come out of your mouth? Like, like if, if there's a good play out there, why wouldn't you run it? Why wouldn't you put it in your playbook? Why, why wouldn't you add that to your arsenal? You know, it's not like scheme or always player dependent. Like, if there's a singular play, why not throw that wrinkle into your into your arsenal? Like, that, that's the thing with Cliff Kingsbury. Even his GM uh, said that uh, he, all he does all day is he's in his lab in his office scheming up plays, creating plays. And it's just like you, you don't focus on the things that matter. Your team's 3-0 and right now. But you faced the Titans with Ryan Tannehill after they were coming off COVID. You should have lost to Minnesota. 
but the field goal kicker missed it. And then you face the Jaguars where Urban Meyer's just totally in over his head, think he's, thinking he's still at the college game. So I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock into this 3-0 Cardinals team. The Rams, legit, already hit on it. GM, head coach, quarterback, roster staying healthy. They always stay healthy. Um, I, I'm all in on the Rams. The Panthers, tough. Discipline. They just traded for a first-round cornerback. J.C. Horn looks like he's going to go on IR. What do they do? They make moves. They don't mess around. 3-0. and They say, yeah, we're trying to go for the wild card. We're trying to go for the division. I don't think they're going to get to the division. I think they'll get a wild card. But they see that, you know, you, you can compete this year. We're good at great positions. Sam Darnold, he's got confidence. We're not messing around. Let's go get a cornerback. Win some more games. The Broncos, finally. Their defense, the players, they got ballers at every level. They got ballers at every every level. And, you know, Teddy Two Gloves, look, I, I mean, he's not going to make a whole bunch of plays. He hasn't made a whole bunch of plays. He's 19 of 25. Had like 225 yards yesterday, 235 yards against the Jets. But here's the thing. The, the the Broncos know who they are. They know who they are. And right now they're executing it at a high level. And if they can do that against the good teams and be a number one defense, absolutely. Absolutely they can sneak and be a wild card because Teddy will take care of the ball. He doesn't take care of the ball as well as everybody thinks he does, I don't think. But he does a pretty good job of it. It's why he's paid a lot of money to be a backup a lot of places. High character guy. You know, he's, you know he's going to wear the fucking mask if he has to wear a mask, unlike Drew Locke. I like Denver a lot. I think they are definitely a contender here for the wild card. That is going to do it, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Week three in the books. We got Thursday night football. I forget who's coming up. I think it's, oh yeah, it's the Bengals and the Jaguars. Even Buck and Aikman were making fun of that matchup. Think about how embarrassing that is for Fox. And I'm not even throwing shade at Buck and and Aikman, but you literally have the announcers who are calling the game making fun of the matchup because of how bad of a game it is. That's like number one in broadcasting. This is what Romo struggles with is when the game, when the matchup is poor, he loses interest and he'll even verbalize it to the audience. You're already telling people not to watch the game, which for me, NFL football, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like I'm in, I'll watch any game. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people may not do that, but I'm all in for watching Joe Burrow, watching Lawrence, checking out some of this bad uh, game management by Urban Meyer and just seeing the stress on his face. And that kind of eats, you know, eats at me. I hate seeing it, but it's just like, he just wears everything out there. And it's, it's gonna be a long year down there in North Florida and Cincinnati. I think they definitely got a signal caller that's going to be there for a long time in Bengal land. And Joe Burrow just has a feel for the quarterback position. And him and Jamar Chase are connecting. I'm definitely tuning in for Thursday night football like I do every week. And I got to get your texts. I got to get your uh, comments. I got to get everything through the direct messages. Hit me up at Pete4C. Hit up the call line, text line, 816-226-7483. Definitely want to hear what you have to say. Clap back at me. Chiefs are not going to be a dynasty. If you think they will, tell me why. I don't see it. I gave you plenty of reasons why they're not. If you think one of the 3-0 and teams is actually for real that I said are not, let me know. 816-226-7483. We will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast.